Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. In the mornings, I love listening to a podcast, a short podcast, about eight minutes long, called The Christian History Almanac. And now when I hear the word almanac, I think back to the future and how Marty McFly in the year 2015 found the Sports History Almanac and wanted to, to go back and, and bet on all the sporting events for the past 50 years. But I bet most of you think of a farmer's almanac. What's an almanac do? An almanac is, uh, it tells you the history of something, weather, sports, astronomy, so that you can that in theory, predict the future. The Christian History Almanac sort of does the same thing. It's a Lutheran podcast that uses history to, to more or less inform us about our future. And what I love about it is that Christian history uh, is relevant, uh, and how often Christians throughout history, whether they be from the 200s A.D., the 1200s A.D., or 2021 A.D., we all face similar issues, similar struggles, similar persecutions, uh, similar temptations. And yet, through it all, the church prevailed, and Christians gained heaven. But we tend to, to have a narrow and low perspective. We very quickly go into panic mode. And we, we, we tend to believe that we have it the worst. No one has it as bad as I do. And our perspective is, is shaped by what? The, the here and now and, and things informing us about the here and now, the, the world, social media, CNN, Fox News. Hopefully you know, you, you know that no matter which of these you use, you're not getting so much perspective as you are getting a bias, somebody's bias, a perspective bias. If your diet consists more of that than, than God's word, uh, consider how those things are helping you to, as St. Peter says in our epistle, to, to love one another and be hospitable to each other without complaining. How often in our conversations, based on our perspective shaped by these things, how often do they turn into complaining? Right? Complaining about the world, our leaders, what's going on. Dr. Jenna Lundgren, who was with us a couple weeks ago and gave a, a very wonderful presentation on self-care, uh, shared some very interesting neurological facts uh, that negativity is contagious and uh, that complaining releases a, a, a thing called cortisol, which actually shuts off every part of your system that's not necessary for survival. And she used the illustration of you, you go into the woods and you come across a grizzly bear. And, and everything not necessary for, for survival in your body shuts down and either fight, fight, or freeze. The other non-survival systems that, that shut down um, when you complain are what? Creativity, empathy, compassion, long-term memory. And how many of us, because of the past year, have been in survival mode? Because our minds haven't been filled with truth but bias. And so we end up thinking the worst of ourselves and the worst of other people. 
But in our gospel lesson, Jesus gives us a new perspective. His perspective. First, he tells you who you are, and then he tells you about the world. He says, when the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. Jesus is promising the Holy Spirit who will come upon his disciples at Pentecost, 10 days after his ascension, 50 days, Pentecost, after Easter. The Holy Spirit is God, of course, and he's always existed, but he's going to come in a new way and he's going to do a new thing for you that all Christians in the Old Testament never had the privilege. He's going to sprinkle you with the waters of baptism and remove your heart of stone and give you a new heart of flesh. What does this look like? What does this actually mean? Think about perspective again. If someone were, ask, were to ask you at the end of your life to reflect back on everything you ever did and to judge your conscience, what would you say? An unbeliever asked that same question would say this. Well, I did the best I could with what I had. My conscience is good. And the result would be damnation. A Christian, given a new heart, would say, I didn't do my best. Not even close. But Christ did his best for me. And everything he did, he gave to me, he, he declared to me, he, he credited to me. My conscience is not good, but it is clean. Because it's forgiven. It's new. The word Jesus calls the Holy Spirit, our translation uses the word counselor. It's not bad, but the Greek word is paraclete. You often hear it in some of our hymns because paraclete rhymes with things that, that other words like counselor doesn't. But paraclete can be translated as helper, guide, or comforter. It has the connotation of a, of a courtroom defender. In the courtroom of our conscience, our sinful natures try to, try to remove us from the accusations of the devil and put our, our neighbors on trial instead of us. What they're doing is wrong. I'm right. I'm justified. Or we accept the guilt of our sin, and then we become our own judge. I've hurt others, and so I need to hurt myself. We sentence ourselves to, to self-loathing. I've sinned, and now I have to pay for it in some way. I don't deserve to live. This is why we need a defender, a helper, a comforter. He doesn't just come and, and tell us some opinions, give us some confirmation bias, to tell us we're all good, but to tell us the truth. And the truth is, we're sinners. But notice that he testifies not of me and, and of my sin, but he testifies of Jesus and what Jesus has done. This is what makes baptism so awesome. It's not you testifying of your love for God. It's the Holy Spirit testifying of God's love for you. You have received a new heart 
in baptism. Jesus' heart. You've been given a new name in baptism. God's name. The name of the triune God. In fact, in the first few hundred years of the New Testament Christian church, if you were an adult convert to the Christian faith, and when you were baptized, you actually received a new name. You took on a new name. You stopped using your old name, and you got a new one as a, a sign that you were baptized. And, and, and the reality of what that has done for you, that it's given you a new heart, that you are a new person. So the first heavenly ascended perspective that you need is that you are baptized. You are made a new creation. You have a new heart. Your conscience is clean, not because it did the best it could, but because it's forgiven. Second, Jesus gives you his perspective of the world. He says, I have told you these things so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogues. In fact, a, a time is coming when anyone who murders you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do these things because they have not known the Father or me. But I have told you these things so that when their time comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Talk about a messed up perspective. They will put you out of the synagogues, and a time is coming when anyone who murders you will think he's offering a service to God. You know, in listening to the Christian History Almanac, quite often I hear stories of Christian uh, persecution, of Christians actually being deposed or carried out of their churches, or of actual killing of Christians for their faith. You know, without a proper perspective, it, it may seem like, like this shouldn't happen if Christianity were real or if God loved us. Or at the very least, that it's something that shouldn't happen anymore because, well, we're, we're better now. We've got things more figured out now. Although this isn't too far off from what's happening in the present day, is it? The world preaches of an earthly kingdom. It says this world is your home. Save it at all costs. How unloving you must be to be and, and to gather with others at church. How dare you share the one cup of the Lord's blood in Holy Communion. How dare you. There is no other hope than this life. Save this world or die trying. This is why, at its extreme, the world can think that killing Christians is a good thing. Christians preach another gospel and a kingdom that is not of this world. Jesus tells you this is going to happen, that this world is and will be against Christianity because he knows it will. And so he wants us to have his perspective so that we aren't surprised or scandalized that we don't lose our faith when it happens. And it will happen. It should not surprise us that the world hates Christianity. It should not scandalize us that churches are getting smaller. It should not deter us if some churchgoers have itching ears and want confirmation bias at church rather than the truth. These things will happen because, as Jesus says, they have not known the Father or me. Finally, how do you know that this heavenly perspective 
is worth anything at all. Because of the ascension. Who is it who sees the persecution of his disciples and yet who is still reigning? Who, is, who sees the church militant struggle against the world and still comforts them? Who is it who sees believers struggle to, to love one another and yet comes to them in his supper to strengthen them in their love for one another? Who is it who sees the hurt and burdened consciences of believers and yet who cleanses them in holy baptism and holy absolution, giving them clean consciences and new hearts? Who is it but our ascended Lord, who is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, who, as Paul says, has all things under his feet, who has been made head over everything for the good of the church. Just think about that. If there is any beauty in this world, any peace, any good, any justice, any joy, any truth, it's because of God's Christians, his church, not because we're so good, but because of his mercy. For the good of the church, God preserves the world and keeps evil within certain limits. So to base your hope on anything else in this world, to gain your perspective by bouncing around on things in it, is like this. I saw a cartoon drawing not too long ago. A man is on a tiny desert island. Um, and he, he sees a boat in the distance, and he longs to be on that boat, thinking that that boat's going to save him. Meanwhile, on that boat, there's, there's only one guy, because it's just a tiny rowboat. And he sees the island, and he sees land, and he longs to be on land, thinking that that land is going to save him. A heavenly perspective sees them both for what they actually are. The Christian History Almanac closes every podcast with a, a sort of benediction, which takes the historical, historical perspective and shines it on the future. It closes like this. Remember, the rumors of grace, forgiveness, and the redemption of all things are true. Everything is going to be okay. I mentioned on Thursday at our Ascension service, that Ascension is one of the most important days of the year. This is why. We need an Ascension perspective. The Ascension and Jesus' promise of the Holy Spirit is Jesus' benediction to us that everything is going to be okay. How might have having an Ascension perspective changed your past year? How might it change your future? When Peter says the end of all things is near, even if all the gas runs out, we don't have to be in survival mode. We've already been saved. And this frees us to actually serve one another in love, each according to the gift he has, been, he has received. We don't need to worry about this world or, or about doing everything right. We've been given a new heart. The Spirit testifies not of me, but of Jesus. And even if this world murders you for your faith, the world is doing you a favor. 
because it's delivering you from evil and taking you home to where Jesus has prepared a place for you. Because Christ has ascended, everything is going to be okay. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.